Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Empire. Welcome back to All's Caps, uh, I guess a victory edition here. I'm AP hockey writer Stephen Wino with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner uh, sitting here at, at, at uh, Capitals practice facility. They're, they're on the road, uh, but a, a huge win uh, against the Penguins on Sunday, Carl. What, what are your impressions? I know it's one game. I know the Penguins had all these COVID issues and Sidney Crosby coming back, but what do you take out of a, a kind of an emotional, fun win like that? Well, yeah, well, it's, it doesn't really matter, uh, you know, where any of these teams are in the standings. It, it's, always a, it's always a big game. One team could be in first, one in last. It doesn't matter. It's always a statement game because you, know, you, you always play good against some of your best competition, the ones you love to beat. So that was huge. I, I was a last-minute uh, decision not to, go, not to go to that game, and I'm kicking myself. It would have been, would have been nice to see that in person. But, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And it, it just kind of caps off a, a really nice um, you know, road trip and, and sequence of games for the team. So, yeah, it, it, I was probably, you know, if I was a player, I'd probably be the most nervous for that game just, you know, because that's – it's the Penguins. It's always a bit of a nerve-wracking game, but it ended up being, you know, looked like on paper maybe the easiest game. And so, yeah, it was kind of interesting how it turned out. Yeah, and, and so I was fortunate enough. I was at the football game uh, in, at FedEx Field, so I got to see the football team beat Tom Brady and then sit in traffic and get there just in time for the anthems. Capitals beat the Penguins. It was a ridiculous day in Washington sports. <laughs> no kidding. I heard a couple people say that they were going to doublehead that. Ted Leonsis also also was, did, was, did the double. There you go. Yeah, you might as well. When you have an opportunity to go to a couple sporting events and make it work, then that's sweet. The red, I mean, the football team games are, are always are, are always fun, but I always find it so crazy to get out of there after. It's a, it's a pain you know, in the ass to get yeah. out of there. I just wish that there was, uh, I don't know, another another way to get to and from. We went a couple times with with some of the guys and we would get actually one time we went in a school bus it was like a, a revamped school bus turned into like a limo it was hilarious it was it was tons of fun it was probably the best memory i had at, at a football team game but yeah it was it, it's when you can do a double header like that is that's that's the best sports day right there did wait, was it like a party bus like, <laughs> it was what, what? A, yeah it was essentially a party bus it was sweet we stopped off at uh because we used to go, so Capitol Grill down right by the uh, rink was like our stomping ground. We go there after every single game, and so we always loved getting the calamari. So we were like, we all got on this party bus and and uh, went down to the Capitol Grill, got a uh, a big platter of calamari, and then headed down to the down to the stadium and and watched the game. And I remember we were we were pretty banged up. Like it was, <laughs> <laughs> we had back in those back in those days, we had a you know it didn't really matter if there was a game the next day or what. Like you know the guys kind of got banged up and. And we had a had a nice day off and enjoyed it. It was a good good memory, and I don't even remember what happened in the game. But either way, it was it was still a blast. I think being at FedEx, handling FedEx, you need a little bit of, of that. <laughs> I'm getting fortunately I'm paid to be there, yes. and I've got to work. Um, but just to handle the atmosphere there is not great. It's not in a great location. 
that's what's great about Capital One Arena. You have things around there that mm. is not in the middle of nowhere, like the yeah. old Cap Cap Center used to be. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm just so now that I've been able to to see some games in person and see all the stuff that's going around, it's it's insane. Like there, there's so many options. Like to to have fun before the game, have fun after the game. I I want to go and watch a Ravens game because I've heard tons about the Ravens games being kind of. You know, a little that's a that's a cool stadium. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to see that. I'm just I'm more. There's some sports I think that are that are better on TV and some that are better in person. Hockey is definitely better in person, I think. And for sure, for me, football is better better on TV. So I like to kind of go in between games every now and then. Except I do hate when you want to see a replay. Like if you're watching the Red Zone, you want to see a replay, and then all of a sudden it's gone. I'm just like, ah, oh, come on. Show me that, a little more. That's that. That's the only problem. <laughs> uh, I, I, as someone who was in the arena the other, the other night, it was that was a cool atmosphere. It was just yeah. it was there were a handful of Penguins fans. One Penguins fan who was actually got uh, led away in handcuffs as as we were kind of oh. going down late in the game with his uh, Capitals fan uh, wife or girlfriend with him. So <laughs> some trouble for some people found some trouble. Um, Sidney Crosby did not find trouble. Uh, threw Martin Faravari uh, into the boards. Had kind of had a frustrating sort of game for Sidney Crosby. Were you surprised there wasn't something more for Sidney Crosby for for that? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, it's it's tough. He's he's not a he's not a you know a repeat offender by any means. He's not a, not a guy that's done anything overly dirty. So I think the refs give him a little bit of a sure. little bit of leeway in that sense. But it was still kind of a still a kind of an aggressive play. Like you 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 damn well know what you're doing in that in that situation, giving a guy. a a little extra ride there, so that was surprising to me. But what I was happy was to see him in the box, though. I you almost never see that guy in the box, and you always think that he's going to get one or he's not going to get away with it this time. And next thing you know, he's gotten away with it. So, and that's I'm just listening to the guys talking about it today. That you know how many penalties he draws versus some of these other guys. It's so interesting to just you know to see what the difference is. You'd think that I don't know. You, you, I guess you'd think like a guy like McDavid would draw more penalties, and he doesn't. But Sid seems to draw a ton, so I don't always understand how it works. Did, did you ever draw a penalty on Sid? <laughs> so I don't know that I. I can't remember exactly if I ever did, but I know one time in particular where we were battling pretty hard in the. It was kind of behind the net, and yeah, we're going at it, and he all of a sudden like I'm trying to dig dig the puck away, and then you know he does what a lot of guys do is puts his hands on the back of your head like kind of like pushes your head down almost a bit of a headlock thing and I remember thinking to myself oh I'm getting him finally gonna get him he's, <laughs> he's getting one here he kind of pulled my helmet off the whistle went whatever and uh and then all of a sudden the ref comes to take me to the box and I, I remember saying to him I'm like I finally got you to take a penalty and he's like what are you talking about and because the ref came to pick me out and I said what did I just get the penalty for he clearly saw what happened he says you got it for holding and I'm holding. I'm like, my face was in the ice. My helmet was off. How did I get the holding penalty? And he was laughing as I was going to the box. I'm just like, what do I got to do to get this guy to take a penalty? It's, it seems like it's impossible. So I don't know for sure, but I, I know I definitely got hooped on that one. Yeah, and, and that's one of the problems with, with Connor McDavid. Where he keeps talking about in the playoffs last year was he, he didn't draw a single penalty. So if you don't call the rules in the playoffs like you call it in the regular season, how do you let guys like that? Like right. actually do their thing. Yeah, exactly. There's there's so much talk about protecting the stars and this and that, and and you would just assume that there's going to be there's going to be more. But at the same time, you know the the refs don't want to make it seem like there's any special treatment. But uh, the guy could do even more than than what he is doing. You know, like, he'd be a 200 point player. Exactly. Instead. Yeah, you can't put a stick on a guy that's going that fast. It's you know I'm sure there's been if you go back and and watch some of the games, there's probably tons of trippings and and holdings. I know I've I've held his stick a bunch of times, and you know it's just depending on if the refs see it I guess and and maybe he's not quite selling it the way that some other guys would do so I uh, you know I'm, I'm not sure 
but the, the more that guy can score and, and, and put up assists, the better it is for the league. And with Sidney Crosby in the box, Tom Wilson scored a power play goal, which I think for everybody who's not a Capitals fan made their head explode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Whip does that to people, but I, I've said this a couple times that, that for the team to have a little bit more success, we need to have some secondary scoring, and, and Tom's been doing that lately. He's been he's been lighting the lamp. He, I think he's been contributing a lot more, too. So, yeah, and I love to see that. And and all the way up and down down the lineup, they're getting they're getting a little bit more. Hathaway's been been doing doing a job, too. And I was just going to ask you about Garner Hathaway. Yeah. Is all of a sudden a, a goal scorer? All of a sudden a goal scorer. You know, you're feeling it on the fourth line there. And, and I always say fourth line, but I don't even – I don't really consider them a fourth line. But they – you start feeling it a little bit, and then you know the good times start rolling. Next thing you know, you got a little point streak going on there. So I, I'm happy to see those guys contribute. And, and like I said, the, the team is going to need that from them to, to be a little more successful. Uh, and and Zach Fucali, we, we we brought him up last week. You got a chance to play with him a little bit in Montreal on camp and all that. Uh, I think we're going to see him again. I, I I have just of the opinion that that this is a guy who they can't carry three goalies. No none, no goalies like having two. Uh, nets and, and and three guys around, but what wh- what did you make of Zach Fucali shutout? And mm. will he be back? Yeah, well, I think if we've learned anything from just the last couple of years is that there's going to be injuries with uh, with the with the two right now, Vanacek sure. and Samsonov. There's going to be growing pains as well, and so you you will see uh, Zach come in, and especially when you come in your first game and have a shutout, and now. Guys usually play just a little bit harder when they know it's somebody's first game or some sort of milestone, whatever it may be, and so so that definitely helped. But but yeah, why, why wouldn't you give him a couple more? If, if a guy gets a shutout, you don't you don't send him back and say, yeah, we'll, we'll never see you again. We want to see what else we got here, you know. And they're in the business of winning, so if he's going to give him a good chance, or the other guys are struggling at some point, why not let him let him play play some more hockey? Yeah, and this is a guy who, who won World Junior Gold for Canada, uh, kind of a late bloomer, but. Goalies develop later. We've seen this with, with Devin Dubnik. We've seen this with Jordan Binnington. That can happen with goalies at 24, 25, 26 years old turn into NHL guys. Absolutely. You have to be so strong mentally to be a goalie and come in when you're young and, and find a way to figure it out. Like, it does not happen very often. That's what it, makes Braden Holby actually really impressive because he was yeah. so young when he came into the league. Exactly. And and the guys that have turned into absolute studs, you know, like a Carey Price and a Marc-Andre Fleury, like these guys are studs that were able to do it. And there's sure. it, it's tough to do that. So, um, yeah, it, it takes some time to develop and to and to get a little bit of a thicker skin because you know it, it's uh, it's like the star player. You know, if things are going going good, it's great for everybody. If it's not, then you know you're getting a finger pointed at you almost right away. So it's fine. I think I think that you might as well give him give him some opportunity when when it makes sense to give him opportunity. And I think you feel kind of rest easier knowing that you do have him back there in case you need him. Sure. And for, for now, though, Ilya Samsonov, Vitek Vanacek in goal for the Capitals. Uh, after this, we're going to talk about Nick Dowd and his three-year extension and what the Capitals' center depth might look like in the coming year. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to All's Caps. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner. Uh, congratulations to Nick Dowd. Uh, $3.9 million uh, three-year extension with the Capitals. Uh, career year for goals for Nick Dowd last year. Just a solid guy, right? This is a kind of player that that at a, at a one point three million dollar cap hit fits perfectly on this team. Absolutely, and, and just just talk about being a solid guy. So I I didn't play with Nick when when I was here. He was came in right after, and I met him one time at Holtz's house when we came back to visit at the end of the season. You know, talked to him for I don't know an hour and a half, and you can just tell from you know a quick conversation with somebody sometimes that they're just great people. And him and his wife seem like great people, and. I know that it's one of the things that the Capitals love is bringing in good people, someone that's going to be not only good on the ice, but good off the ice and good in the community. And when you have somebody like that, you know, it reminds me of a JB Eagle, someone that yeah. that you just, you your city really, really benefits from having. And so, you know, when you have somebody like that, you want to hold on to them at a, at a contract that is, um, you know, a team can you're, you're happy with. You know, it's yep. he's he's probably very happy. The team is probably very happy. I remember it's funny bringing up Beegs again. Is that I remember Beegs told me one time on the plane that if if the Caps would offer him a 10 year deal at five hundred thousand, which at the time was the minimum, he said he would sign it in a heartbeat. You know, th- those guys are guys that want to have security because yep. that fourth line role, like teams will bring in you know uh, a guy who's just been drafted in the first round, second round, and stick him on the fourth line just to let them develop. And then guys that have been in the league already for five, ten years that have played that role um, get pushed out. And so you want security at that point. So I remember Big said that, and I remember laughing at him when he signed his, his ticket in Vancouver because, you know, it's amazing how, how things change when you just feel a little bit more comfortable. So I'm, I'm really happy for him. That, that, once again, fourth line, whatever you want to call them, has had so much success too that you don't want to break them up if you if you can manage to find a way to keep them and have them all be happy and feel like they're getting something you know whether yeah. it's monetary value or uh, or time on ice whatever it is keep and security guys, too yeah exactly absolutely keep those guys together I think if like there's very few fourth lines in the league that players will be like oh yeah that's the fourth line for you know Pittsburgh or for Philadelphia there's a couple teams where you do know that fourth line Vegas had this for a while exactly Vegas had it the Islanders have had it for years I think Washington has it in that line so there's some teams that it's like you know, there, there's no break out there. And I think that that line, especially with Nick, really, really solidifies that. Uh, well, well, I'm sure we'll talk more about your Montreal stuff next week when the Canadians <laughs> come to town. But one thing Nick Dowd said about this was he, did, he didn't trust free agency. He, he, he didn't want to go into free agency. I, I, I'm sure that was a, a thing for you and a thing for Jay Beagle and these guys is just the security versus taking the risk. Because if you're Nick Dowd and you're 32 years old at that point, you don't know what's out there in free agency next year with a flat cap. Yeah, that's a smart guy right there to uh, to take that into consideration. I'm sure a bit of a family decision as well. You know, Yeah, his family loves it here. Yeah. Exactly. When you feel comfortable somewhere, it doesn't matter... It almost doesn't matter who you are. You know, you you stay where you know is is good for you and and where you're enjoying yourself. And if you know, maybe a team that is a major cup contender comes out of nowhere and says, "Hey, like we want you," and crazy contract. You know, that that could change your mind, I guess. But at the same time, like the grass is not always greener. The Matt Hendricks special he told told me and 
Um, I've I could tell you easily five players that I played with that went somewhere that had said those exact words after that they made a mistake leaving Washington and you don't realize how good it is until you're gone so you know like I said smart guy for for understanding that and and sticking with what he's got here yeah and then the question now is, is what does this mean for the Capitals moving forward nicked out on our contract for three more years Lars Eller is up after next year and you've got Hendrix LaPierre around you've got Connor McMichael around does this mean is this Lars Eller's first step out the door for this team right so this is this is a you know the architect of the team what they what they see coming up down the road and how they want to play that because you know Lars obviously was a major major key for this team when they won um he was he was that third line center that they've been waiting for for years you know I, I, I experienced it when when I was here we wanted we needed a third line center that yep. that could really really be a, be a big force and, and shut down and all that stuff and then then you get Lars and Unfortunately, you know, when especially when cap comes into play and and age comes into play, and you're trying to figure out a way to to make it all work. And so, you know, however Mac wants to play that with does he does he give a young guy more responsibility and in a, a, a tough role that doesn't always get enough credit for. You know, you don't really you don't really want to have to throw Kuzi up against uh, you know another team's uh, top line. You'd you'd like somebody to to grind another top line you know you want a little bit more space for your guys so uh, it it's going to be a tough call but if I I feel like with with Lars and you know it's it's if he doesn't really really produce consistently and with some of the injury trouble that he's had too it's you know you you might consider going another direction they may not have a choice like like, like the cap's not going to go up all that much Lars Eller's probably going to get a raise somewhere even at his age right and 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 you do have these kids coming up who in theory are NHL centers right? And but you know what? And go back to what you said about Nick. I, I know Lars loves it here, and so that's another yeah. thing too. Maybe maybe he's one of those guys that just says, you know, give me an offer and and, and hometown we'll discount sort of situation. You, yeah, you never know, and and that's that's part of it. I know he's 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 got a young daughter, so it's uh, you don't really want to move around too much when your kids are getting to a certain age. So there's something that happens there. But you know what? You, you also want to see what the young guys can do and where you can slot them in and give them a little bit more responsibility. And maybe Mac has a plan. I remember back in, in, in kind of your younger days, it was it was always this organization couldn't find the second line center. It yeah. was always Mike Ribeiro, and it was Shane Morrison, and just this entire list of people. And now it's, it's when Nick Backstrom gets back, easy. Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Eller, Dowd. Like, the depth down the middle is what helped this team win a championship and has them still as, as cup contenders now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's – yeah, you're definitely right. There's uh... – I, I don't know. It's it's just a tough it's a tough call because it's such an important role that it, it, you want to make sure you make the right decision. You don't want to lose a guy that you know can do it too. So, uh, you know, it, it it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. But yeah, we the, having that having that second line guy, we Brooks like too, who who would fill yes. in too. So it's it's tough to find that role, and and that's why that's why you know big skilled but also good at checking centermen are, are hot hard, hard, hard to find very but, hard to find but those guys you could in theory you could talk me into Backstrom Kuznetsov Eller Dowd for the next several years and have Connor McMichael play second line left wing right like, could, like couldn't you have McMichael and LaPierre eventually be wingers until you need them to play in the middle you could yeah but you also know that the, the players are you know they're specialists at a position and, and it's tough sometimes to to be out of that like you're so used to like I know it as, as a defenseman when when you come when you come out of the penalty box and all of a sudden you're a winger and then you have 
have play on all sides of you, that messes you up, you know? Like, as much as we all know the game, it messes you up when you're not in your position. And so as, to go from a centerman who is going, you know, low low man in the D zone to low man or yep. high guy, whatever it is, in the offensive zone, and, and now you're just a winger and you're standing on the wall, everything changes. And you're not necessarily going to play as good as you would if you're a centerman. So... It depends. If you if you want to do that, maybe you can try and work them in every now and then when, when somebody's hurt or or for a game here and there. It, it's just tough because you don't want to completely mess with someone's development. One thing with Hendricks LaPierre and, and maybe McMichael too is just building up that kind of strength as 18, 19-year-old. That wasn't your problem, but as a player, how hard is that when you start going from junior to the pros to like be strong enough to play in the NHL. Yeah, so it's it's funny that you say that. So like like we mentioned with Steve, we're we're skating a little bit now and I'm skating with these these kids that are that are 17, 18, 19 years old and one of the one of them said after we got off the ice he's like I didn't really realize like how how hard it is to battle with someone in the corner. You know, and, and that and that's what it is. That was, you know, one of the things that that I really loved. I loved I loved a good battle in the corner and and as a as a young thin or just maybe not completely filled out uh, player in this league, it's hard to win those battles, and they're very, very important battles to, to win, especially in the D zone and for puck possession in the offensive zone. So that's something that, that comes with with you know a little bit more knowledge. You don't always necessarily have to be the biggest in that battle, but just just a little bit more knowledge on how to how to sometimes come away with those pucks and and being on the right side of the puck too, because you get on the wrong side for a second, and it's odd man. So it, it yeah, it's tough. It's something that it's just going to come with development, and you don't really want to hurt someone's development by taking them out of position. It's one of those things that Adam Oates always said, is, is, is a center is the only guy who plays in all four corners of the rink. Mm-hmm. When you're playing, like, as a kid, like, did did you ever try out forward? Like, was it like, did you play it and, and realize, nope, this is not my position? <laughs> well, everybody starts out where they're just trying to race to the center dot to take the face off. That's what everyone wants <laughs> to do is be that centerman and, and take a face off. And then eventually, you know, they start moving you around a little bit, and then depending on what people what kids seem to like more or your size like for me it was my size I was one of the bigger guys so they put me on the back end which you know I guess it worked out for it yeah you you needed to be big to be a D-man back then I guess and uh, and so that's how it works and then you you still want to try it you know I know a lot of guys that'll play play forward in in the off season like when I was in Kelowna I'd always play forward we had too many D's so I'd always always be a forward and and work on things because next thing you know you you know you're a defenseman then you get yourself into you know a spot where you're coming across the blue line with the puck offensively and and you're almost never in that role like you don't practice that in practice it's it's very rare that you actually get to do that five on five in practice so you just don't get enough enough reps at it so yeah it's it's just you, you you need to you need to get some work at all all different spots to appreciate all the different positions, but it's also hard to spend too much time at that and then lose what you do have for years. Like if you have a guy that's played defense and then goes to play offense, plays forward, you love those guys because they understand what we're going through and vice versa. Look at Buffalo, you know, like he yeah. was and and Brent Burns has done this. Brent Burns has done this, yeah. So you get guys that that do it and are very very successful at it but it's it's so hard to make that make that change while you're in the the pros nhl american league whatever it is that's more of a junior junior move unless you're a freak like buffalo and was or brent burns you brought you brought up brooks like remember the game he played defense yeah yeah, oh yeah. yeah he was one of the rare guys that could pivot at speed from from forward to backwards like you'd be surprised like these guys, yeah, everybody, everybody here plays in the NHL, but not everybody can pivot fast forward to backwards. It's a, 
Like if you think about it as a forward in practice, you know, if you come to watch a practice ever, see how many times a forward skates backwards in practice. Sometimes they would do it probably less than less than 50 times in an entire year. And right. it's hard to learn that skill and, and bring it back and to do it when you have a, a possibly have a McDavid coming at you or maybe it's not a McDavid, but it's still someone with NHL speed coming at you. It's it's very tough to do. Absolutely. Uh, we will be back next segment talking uh, Capitals road trips with Capitals going out on the road, Anaheim, L.A., San Jose and Seattle. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to All's Caps with former Capitals defenseman Carl Osner. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino. Uh, Capitals uh, on a, a the West Coast road trip uh, at Anaheim, at LA, at San Jose, at Seattle. You know this trip, other than the Seattle part, you're you're very familiar with this road trip. What what is it like? Because sometimes, like when these teams were good, this was a pain in the ass road trip for for teams. Oh God, yeah, I remember when. Well, I don't remember exactly the which year it was, but. I don't think we had one or the Capitals had one in San Jose in like 15 years. It like dated back to 93 or yes. something like that. And then the game that we did win, I, I think it was uh, one of the referees got in the way and Beegs got like a partial breakaway and scored. And then we had the weirdest bounce on another goal that went in. And I think we won in overtime to break the streak. And I remember we were just losing it with excitement. It was one of the best things ever. And for, you know, those, those teams have been... They've, they've had some really good teams over the years. You know, obviously L.A. when they won, when they did win, San Jose was solid for a long time, and Anaheim yeah. had, had unreal players. It was just such a hard road trip. And then going back out west, like if you think about it, you get you get one day usually in between your travel day. Well, so you have your travel day, and then you play the next day. Yes. A game starts at 7 p.m., that's 10 o'clock for you normally. Yep, and, and your body clock. Yeah, your body clock is completely messed up. So it's just a tough It's just a tough trip to, to go on. And then not to mention you're in California and most of the time you've come from cold weather or colder weather and you get to go and see the sunshine and you're wearing shorts and flip-flops again. And it's just tough. It's a mental grind on you there because it doesn't seem like you should be playing hockey. <laughs> now you got to play these, these great teams. And there's, you know, a couple of the teams are, are doing really well this year. So it's going to be pretty difficult. We, uh, we ask uh, on your Carl Stupid Questions, the, what is your favorite drink on the plane? What was your drink waiting for you on a plane <laughs> after a game? Let's, let's say you're leaving the West Coast and, and all of a sudden you're flying out of at Anaheim or L.A., Come back east. What's your what's your drink of choice after after a road trip ends? So so as soon as as soon as you finish the game, there's always there's always like a case or case or two of, of beers on the on the bus, and so I'd always have a beer on the bus. And then as soon as I get to the plane, then we we usually crack crack open the wine, the red wine for majority of guys. I think are are into that, but it sometimes depends. You know, it depends how you're feeling. But I'd say I'd say typically a red wine was was it when I was in Montreal because it's hard to get. It's hard to get wine in Canada, and the, the the options in Montreal or in Quebec are especially limited because of 
it has, has to have French on the bottle for them to sell it in the state. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's wild. So it's it's hard to get stuff. So anyways, I had a wine suitcase that fit 12 bottles. So everywhere we go, I just load up 12 bottles of wine and and then I usually have one or two in my backpack and and or somebody else would do that and then we'd open up a bottle when we were when we as soon as we get on the on the plane. So yeah, it was that was probably my drink of choice. It was always interesting to see some guys had whatever it was, a mixed drink or beer or you know, uh, Diet Coke. It just depends on the guy. There, there's a, there was a story that somebody did recently that was like, hockey players used to be beer drinkers and now are wine drinkers. I think that happened like during your career, right? Like where it went from like a lot of beer to wine. Yeah, well, there's still there's still a lot of beer drinkers around. Um, but guys like to class it up. At least they think they're classing it up by, <laughs> they, by getting to the right stuff. Classing yeah, up. exactly. So it's, uh, I there's, there's still a fair share of... of you know, of Coors Lights going around, but it's, uh, there's also a ton, like, I don't know, it's something about going to a restaurant where, you know, guys think it's cool to, to, to order up a bottle of wine and, and have that. And I don't know, it's, it's, I, I have no idea on like the, the calorie count and stuff like that, but it's less, you it's, know? it's less for the wine. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's what, that's what's going on too. But yeah, that would be my drink of choice. And, and then when we were, when we were in, um, uh, in Cal- California, my, my thing of choice to do would always be to golf, which is what I'm hoping these guys are going to do at some point on this uh, on this trip when they have their their couple days off, because that's you know that's one of the things that you do to break up the season when you're you know when you're in a city. Well, I mean, it hasn't even been that cold here yet, but um, you know when the season's happening, you want to get away and just kind of get away from the game and, and do something like that. So that's one of the best things about the the California trip is you get to I don't know almost almost get away from the game and feel like you're not. Not in hockey season. Where in the San Jose area, Bay Area? Like, do you remember a course out there that you play that's good? Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's called like Citadel or something along those lines. Um, we played the Stanford course actually one time. That's where I had my best ever round of golf was at the Stanford What'd you shoot? course. I think I shot a 78 or 79, and I remember being so fired up because I birdied the first hole. And then right after we got off, I, Nick Backstrom hit a shot from the fairway and dunked it from like 155 <laughs> yards out. And I'm just like, Jesus, like there, <laughs> there goes our game right there. These guys are going to crush us. So I remember that being being a, a really good time. But we played, actually, this was crazy. We played, we played in San Jose. We were golfing. And we had some of the assistant coaches out there playing with us. It was just a heck of a time. And we're leaving. And me and Marcus Johansson were in, in an Uber on our way back. And you have to cross kind of like this this uh secondary highway i guess you could say and there's no no light just a stop sign and then the other guys are flying and i remember thinking like i was looking out the window and you know a lot of times you get on your phone and you're not really paying attention to what's going on but for whatever reason i was just paying close attention and this car was coming and our uber driver was not watching at all and he started to go as this car was flying easily 70 mile an hour and i remember just grabbing him on the shoulder and telling him to stop and he hammered the brakes and the car missed us by probably a foot it was it was so crazy and the guys were in the uber behind us and saw it all happen too so it's weird i always have a strange memory of of golfing in san jose and then almost getting schmucked by uh by a uber driver so it was, it was crazy not that we don't all worry about that for ourselves the bad things happening but yeah. like in my job it's one of those things i lie awake at night of thinking like well Alex Ovechkin gets into a car accident. Like yeah. I've got a, I've got a right. Like you, you, like God forbid any of these things happen. Yeah. No, it came way too close to happening for you. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was a weird one for me. It's the closest I've ever been to getting into a car accident. So yeah, let's not do that again. Of those three arenas, uh, Anaheim, L.A., San Jose. Do you have a fav- favorite to play in of, of those three places? I think my favorite to play in was probably uh, L.A. Because Staples it, Center. Yeah, mm-hmm. it has a cool, cool atmosphere, and it's a Staples Center. I think it's, I, you know, that that or uh, or. Um, 
in New York of being the busiest arena in the world, I think, yep. right? There's like, MSG. Yeah, there's like one day, maybe a year, where there's nothing going on, and you have so many different sports and concerts and all that stuff happening. So just kind of a cool atmosphere there. And the hardest one, though, to play in was um, with San Jose. That Shark Tank is, is the real deal. They The team always comes at you. It seems like things happen faster there. I yeah. don't know if it's just the way that the that the stands are built but it seems like everything is kind of on top of you so that was the hardest one but the the most fun entertaining one of those three was was definitely la san jose they didn't they forgot to build a press box so you were basically all the way up in the roof <laughs> you're basically where the like essentially the catwalk is the press box a few arenas are, are like this but it's it's a cool view from basically the top of the building yeah. that's a great place they got the shark head down for yeah. the, the, the guys to skate out of that's a fun building yeah it's a very fun building and it, it's it, it's one of those places that uh all also in San Jose that everybody seems to really really love being and being it's fun to play there and you know actually this is an interesting story about about San Jose um it was my first ever first ever trip out to San Jose out to California to play any of those teams and I had never played poker with the guys uh on a trip like that before I played on these little ones to New York and Philly whatever and it was always uh I think it was always hundred dollar buy-in too so you get usually it was like 96 bucks a day per diem is what we would get and so essentially you were playing for your for your days of per right. diem. And so mm-hmm. I didn't realize it that it went to a different price when you went on those longer trips. And so they asked me if I wanted to play, so I went and played and I think I lost like five or six hands into the trip. And the guys told me it was five hundred bucks. And I was just I remember feeling sick to my stomach, like I just lost five hundred dollars in probably twenty minutes, maybe. And so I uh, I remember being really upset about that and then we landed I didn't play again on that the rest of that flight. And uh, we landed there, and Eric Fair and Tom Pody asked me if I wanted to go to the casino with them. And so I was like, there's no chance I'm going to the casino. I just lost <laughs> 500 bucks. I, I can't lose any more money. And uh, Fairzy was like, hey, like, just come and watch. Like, it doesn't matter. There's, there's not, a whole lot else, not, not a whole lot to do right now. Um, so I said, okay, I'll go. I watched them play for a little bit. Once again, Fairzy <laughs> goes, hey, we're going to leave in 10 minutes. It's your last chance. Just, just play the minimum on something. So I'm like, oh, fine. So I think I, I exchanged like 50 bucks for, for chips. I was playing $5 hands on three-card poker. And three-card poker is like the easiest game you can play. You really don't even have to do anything. And on the second hand, I hit a royal flush on three-card poker, turned that $5 bet into 1200 bucks, And <laughs> I was like so happy that I won my <laughs> money back. But it's like the, the thing that always happens is you're like, why didn't I bet a little bit more? <laughs> you know, I was thinking to myself, imagine I just put – you know, 20 bucks, which is probably what I would normally would have right. put on the hand and, and I would have won what I won. So it's it was just funny that that quick, my, my luck changed and my attitude changed after I won a couple bucks. Incredible. My, my favorite LA story was you guys had a trip out there. I think it was 20, it was right after Bruce got the Ducks job. So you guys had Dale Hunter as coach. And I remember San, it was San Jose and then to, to Anaheim. You guys practiced in San Jose. So I flew down early to catch up with Bruce, like do the first interview with him since he got the Ducks job. And then I went out to Santa Anita and watched the horses during the afternoon. Oh, yeah. And I got a ticket to the Lakers Grizzlies at uh, Staples Center that night. That was one of the, my favorite sports days ever, of no being way. able to do the double of Santa Anita for the horses and then go out to, uh, to Staples oh, Center for a Lakers game. That's unbelievable. That's something to see is, is a basketball game there. And, and to watch the horses race, too, like that. Santa Anita's gorgeous. Because oh, you got the San Gabriel Mountains in the background, and, and it's just it's scenic. It's beautiful. I think it was the same, it was the same day Tim Tebow beat the Steelers in the playoffs when he was the Broncos oh, really? quarterback. <laughs> no way. I remember watching that in Santa Anita. Uh, I, I love telling stories. One, just one ca- Capitals hockey question before we, we go. Uh, on this road trip, um, 
at LA, at, at San Jose, at Seattle. What, what what do you need to see out of this team? What what, what are you hoping to see? Because it's, it's not a disastrous trip because these teams aren't out west. I know the, du- the Ducks are hot, but Kraken are struggling a little bit. Uh, the Kings are still on their way up. What do you want to see from, from the Capitals, who may be getting T.J. Oshie back for that, that Seattle game on, on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, what, what you want to see is is them play on the road the same way they, they just did when they were in uh, – Playing, playing Detroit and, and Columbus, and you know, just just keep keep that going because road games are tough, and and going all the way out there, like we said, with the time change and all that, it, it's difficult, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to just go in there and think you're going to beat these teams that maybe are, are underachieving right now, and 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 actually go out there and, and put a good effort in. So, yeah, it's I, I just want to see continue to see that production from everybody. I want to see see Ovi. Continue, continue putting the puck in the net. That's Art. That's Alex Art Ross of <laughs> possibly this year. Yes, it's possible, absolutely. But that's yeah. It's it's just it's just continuing with what they got going on right now. The road the road games are so important, and uh, you know these are teams that you know they, they won't see won't see much of this season, um, and so you don't usually have have a whole lot of film on them too. So just being able to figure it out and figure it out quick and. And that's usually going to lead to, to hopefully some, some road success and a fun trip for the guys and staying focused and, and staying out of the sun a little bit while, while still focusing on hockey. And, and TJ Yoshi, he's, he's been week to week after taking that, that the puck off his foot. H- how badly do you think he wants to play in this Seattle game? I think he's going to do anything that he has to do to play in that game. That's, uh, that's, my, that's my guess right there is he's going to... He's going to be with the be with the guys on the road, get on the ice, and and probably you know e- even if he could play before that, I would assume that maybe that would be the game that he would come back for. But um, yeah, that that's just like you know, I mean that's what I thought. I thought he was going to get picked up by them originally. You know, when we were talking about the expansion draft possibilities, <laughs> that would be Osh. Um, and then you know it was nice, obviously that. That he got to stick around here, but but that's uh, you know a, a place where I think you'll have a pretty a pretty big group of fans that'll be there to cheer him on. Even even if they're uh, Seattle Kraken fans, they'll probably be TJ Oshie fans too. Yeah, for all the questions we've asked TJ Oshie about the Seattle Kraken, I'm sure he, I'm sure with all the family he's going uh, he's going to play. If he can play, I think he's going to play. I agree with you completely. I'd, I'd put money on it if I was if I was a betting man. Thanks everybody for listening on, on All's Caps. Next episode, we're talking to uh, to Ben Guerrero, former Capitals PR guy, uh, now with the Seattle Kraken. Uh, a little Starbucks conversation, a little bit of, uh, of of his old days with the Capitals, and and, and just and of course we asked him Carl stupid questions. We will uh, we will talk to you uh, next time. <laughs>